15, remain standing with me. Thank you, worship team. You guys are great. Matthew chapter 19, verse, we're going to begin in verse 16. And I want to read a portion of scripture that is one of my favorites. I've spoken on this portion of scripture before, but I want to come at a different type of an angle. And for those of you that you take your... Uh, your study of the word, you understand that sometimes you can get about 10 messages from just a few verses. And even though I've spoken on this verse before, I want to come at it from a different way. I, I love this portion of scripture. It's, it's a great, great part. I love anything that talks about salvation. Those are my favorite scriptures. Matthew chapter 19, we're going to read in verse 16. Do you have it? Amen. It says, Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? I like Jesus. He's cool, man. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, or some of your translations, a luxurious man, to enter to the kingdom of God. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, rich old rulers... Then you may be seated. We're going to get into it here this morning. We're going to get right into it. Not going to dabble with a story right now because we're going to be talking about money. Money. It's funny. But a lot of times when people come to church, there's a couple things they don't want to hear about. Number one, they don't want to hear about money. Another thing they don't like to hear about, I don't want to hear about sex. Let Luther and let R. Kelly teach me about sex. Right? That's kind of our philosophies. Let the world teach me about that. Let books on how to get rich quick and flip a house teach me about money. That's going to teach, that's going to grow my financial account. But the thing about it is that if your mind has not been transformed, I don't care how much money you have. If your heart is not ready to take on these finances that come your way, it doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. This morning, we're going to talk about finances. 
And as we talk about finances, as we talk about money, a lot of times our minds begin to wander and say, I want to go somewhere else. But I want you to hone in and focus in with me for the next few moments. We're not going to be long, but I want to get right to the principles of God's budget for your life. That you have to understand that money is a very, very evil thing if you love it too much. I didn't say money was evil. I said, if you love it too much, then it becomes evil. Now, when it comes to finances and it comes to money, why is it that Christ, when you study the life of Christ, study his preaching, study his teaching, study his principles, he talks more about money than he talks about death, hell, sin, and heaven combined. He talks more about money. He talks a lot about it. Now, for those of you that say, where does Christ talk about it? I'm going to give you a few scriptures that you can write down on your own, and we're going to put them up here on the screen as well. There's a lot of scriptures. I'm just going to give you just a few. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. I'll read it here for you, and you can also read along. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you the property of your own? You know what that scripture has to do with? It has to do with fellowship. That's what it has to do with. Why am I going to give you something and you're not good with it? If I give you something and you're good with it, hey, all right, I want to hang out with you. I want to be there with you. So when it comes here, honesty has to do with money. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Very famous portion of scripture. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. Where will cannot steal your suit. Where will cannot steal paint. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, now these are, I'm giving you scriptures that this is what Jesus said. These are not parables. This is actually came out of the mouth of Jesus. This is what he said. Now here he is. First he talks about fellowship. Now he's talking about how your money and your attitude are connected. Now he's talking about how money and attitude are connected. Some people say, well, money is not connected to my, yes it is. Because if you have Right now, if I give you $100, you're happy. But if I take from you $100, you're going to be very mad. Because I want a reason. Give me a reason why that, you know, a lot of times even when you look at your check and sometimes, you know, the, your company, it takes out, what are that money? I didn't know they were taking out the money. Where did that come? I didn't know about this tax. Where did it come? We get all mad. You have a bad day. See, a lot of times we, we like to associate bad days with bad hair. No, it actually has to do with money. That's where a lot of times, because the attitude. and Christ, Even Matthew chapter 22, here's another one. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees went out and laid pan, plans to trap him in his own words. Then they sent their disciples. Just, let's just stop right there. Pharisees had disciples too. Okay, let's go right back. To him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. 
Look at that. Even liars know the truth. You are swayed by men because you pay no attention to who, who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil, see, this is the first Dr. Evil is right here. He said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying tax. They brought him a denarius. And he asked them, whose portrait is on this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, give to Caesar's what is Caesar's. And to God, what is God's? Bible even says that people try to trap him. How did they try to trap him? With money. Don't think for a second that the enemy, if he wanted to trap Jesus with money, he's definitely going to want to trap you with money. That's one of the biggest entrapments is finances, is money. But you got to learn about it. Luke chapter 19, another one. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I like that, if I did it, like he knows he did it. But if I did, I will pay back four times the amount. Look at this. Look at this. This is how I like this portion of Scripture. It's one of my favorites. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to his house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. Now, what's so heavy about that scripture? Is that now we learn, first we see about attitude, then we see about fellowship. Now we see that even salvation is connected to finances. What? Yes, it is. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. Right away, isn't that heavy that all of a sudden this man gets out of a tree and says, hey, hey, look, look, I'm, I'm going to give my money away. I'm giving my money away. Matter of fact, I ain't just going to give it away. I'm going to give back four times the amount. And right away, look at this, right away, the guy says, I'm giving back four times the amount. And Jesus goes, okay, he's saved. Pretty heavy, huh? These are heavy portions of Scripture. We're like, wait a second. I, I didn't think money was connected that way. Yes, it is. There's a connection. Here's another one. Luke chapter 6, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell on the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. What is the deceit? The deceit of wealth. Isn't that a lot of times the, uh, the American dream? Get money, right? Get money. Get as much as you can. Get it all. Because that is where you'll find happiness. That's actually not happiness. That's deceitfulness. Because it chokes the word. And there's no fruit in that. Luke chapter 6, another one. This is just one verse. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you. I studied that scripture, and I don't have a long time to, to go into it. But if you read it on your own, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus, he's actually blessing people. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are, blessed are those. Blessed are this. Blessed are the, those that obey. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And then all of a sudden, when he's done blessing people, his first woe, he says, woe to the rich. Let me give you the first woe. In other words, be careful. Woe. Whoa. 
I know the times we go, whoa, man. Even Jesus was the first whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, listen, I, I, I understand right now there's this, you know, thing going around and they kind of do this whole prosperity gospel. I believe that God does want to prosper you. I believe that. I truly believe that. He wants to prosper you. But there is a difference between prosperity and luxury. Big difference. Very big difference. God wants to prosper you so that you can bless others. Not so that you can look good and say, this is what a Christian looks like. Look at my diamond rings. Oh, this is what a Christian looks like. Look at the rims that are spinning. Is there even spinners anymore? Is that even cool? Salinas? <laughs> I don't even know if that's cool anymore. You know, you go to Walmart, get them plastic spinners. I don't know. Look at me. No, God doesn't want to bless you so that others can look at you and go, wow, look at him. See, Jesus doesn't say, wow, look at him. Jesus actually says, whoa, you better be careful. That's actually what he says when it comes to riches. You better be very careful. Mark chapter 12, here's another one. Now remember, these are all scriptures and verses that Jesus, this is coming out of the mouth of Jesus. Verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Isn't that heavy? Jesus is actually watching those that come and bring their money. I know a lot of times in church we go, oh, I don't want people to see how much. Yeah, Jesus is right there looking at every single person. He was looking at every single person that walked up. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow woman came and put two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Somebody say truth. This poor, widow, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. Now, there's many more scriptures that we can go on and, and, and talk about. But even this portion of scripture, we use it a lot. That it's heavy that Jesus himself, when he corrected the disciples and he tells them the truth, he uses a little widow woman. A widow woman. It sounds like, a, you know, like one of those cartoons, a widow woman. What is that movie from uh, uh, Five Goes West? The widow, wait, wait, the sweet white woman. The widow woman. And here's Jesus. He says, let's get this woman. Let me show you her. Look it. He says, come here, disciples. Whenever Jesus wants to correct the disciples, he doesn't use the disciples. You ever notice that? He uses a boy. He uses sheep. He uses a woman. He says, look, you guys need to get corrected. Look at this woman. Look at what she's doing. Everyone else is giving out of their wealth. This woman, she's giving out of her poverty. There's something to be seen in that. Matter of fact, you know what Jesus calls it? He calls it the truth. That's what this is, the truth. And some of us here this morning, we need to learn the truth about finances. That's why many times, did you know that as you study statistics, still the number one reason for divorce, money. Still. It's not love. It's actually money. Because a lot of people fall in love with 
It's money. That's why it's very important. Listen to me, married couples. Listen to me. You have to be able to budget the finances and be a good steward of what God has given you. Just don't think for a second, oh, okay, I'm going to get all this money and I'm going to give it all out. No, be a good steward of it. Be a tither. Be a giver. Tell your, na- tell your neighbor, be a giver. Alexandria Phils said this, do not value money for any more nor less than it's worth. It is a good servant, but a bad master. I like what Oliver Holmes said. He said, a man is usually more careful of his money than of his principles. First Timothy chapter 6, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Some people eager for money. I want. I need money. I got. It's very difficult when people come into the church and they say, "I want to get cleaned up because I just want a good job." That's very difficult to really understand what true salvation is because you only want to get cleaned up so you can get money. Listen. When you come to church, you need to know something. Number one, when you come here, that Christ, he should be your savior, your number one. That he's your, that you come to worship him. My father used to make this statement all the time. He used to say, all this and heaven too. So when you come to church, that you experience a true, true experience, a true worship experience with Jesus Christ. Listen, does God want to bless you with finances? Yes, he does. I truly believe that. But one thing when it comes to finances, God cannot fix lazy. If you're lazy, don't get mad at God. I'm going to come to church. and I'm gonna, I come to church and God's going to give me money. No, if you're not a good steward of money, don't get mad at God. A lot of times people get mad at God. I come to church. Therefore, I should be getting money. No, God does give you finances. Are you being a good steward of it? Matter of fact, even here in this scripture, it says that many wandered from the faith because of money. You got to be very, very careful. See, Satan wants to always target your finances, but he goes after it, not within the piece of paper. Satan goes after it in your mind. See, when the enemy first wanted to lead Adam and Eve into sin, he went after their mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. See, now why does Satan want to attack your mind? Because your mind is the part of the image of God where God communicates with you and reveals his will to you. But it's very unfortunate many times that many Christians, they've minimized the significance of the mind because the Bible highlights it so much and how important your mind is. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, but be transformed by the renewing of your And then it says, because if you're transformed in your mind, you may be able to prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, God renews our lives by renewing our minds. And he renews our minds through his 
truth. The truth is the word of God. John chapter 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. See, if the enemy can get you to believe a lie, then it's very easy to take you down the wrong path. It's very easy. If he can get you to believe a lie, then what happens is the enemy can now do his work in your life and lead you into sin. This is why he attacks our mind and why we must protect our minds from the attack of the enemy. That's why it's very important. If you were not here in these past couple weeks, uh, I want to challenge you. Get the series of the sermon of the spiritual warfare and the helmet of salvation. And we talked about that. you got to put it on. Tell your neighbor, put it on. And you got to put that thing on. Matter of fact, the Bible calls it the helmet of salvation. Keep it on. Keep, because the enemy, he's going to want to attack your mind and he's going to want to tell you lies. But you got to put it on and keep it on. The enemy wants to attack your mind. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. These are the things you got to dwell on. Listen, I'm not talking about it this week, but I will be talking about it real soon. Some of you, you go to those movies and you watch those things over and over and over. And you leave them and you still talk about them over and over and over. And you wonder why it's so hard to come and worship God. You wonder why it's so hard to lift your hands. You know why it's hard to lift your hands? Because your heart is hardened. Your heart has been hardened. It's been hardened towards the things of God. So when you come and you hear the truth, there's a lie right there saying, no, that ain't true. That's not true. That's why you got to be very careful with those things that you watch. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above, looking down with tender love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, ears, feet, hands, what you touch, what you see, where you go. What you hear, what you say, be careful. These things are very important. And the things that you need to dwell on, dwell on the things that are good. Sometimes every once in a while, that's why we'll put on some praise music when you guys are working hard, right? You guys are working hard and you guys are out there working. You guys are going, man, I feel like leaving the home. It's a good thing we've got some praise music going on. Man, this guy's getting on my nerves. I'm over here. He, I know he stole my socks. I know he did, man. I'm going to get him, steal my socks. I'm going to steal his shoes. I'm going to put him on the other side of the fence. See, because it's real easy to start dwelling on things that are not good. It's very easy. That's why you got to put those things on that are good. Put it on. Dwell on the things that are admirable. Dwell on the things that are lovely. The word of God is truth. Can I hear an Amen. Now, what is the weapon that we have? We have this weapon. It's called faith. Even the enemy knows how powerful this weapon is. See, Paul made very sure and certain in Thessalonians chapter 3 when he talked about the faith. And you can read it on your own. Even in Romans chapter 1, it says we go from faith to faith. Matthew chapter 9 verse 29. It shall be done according to your faith. Many times the things that even hinder the work of God is not the lack of power, but the lack of faith. Matthew chapter 13 verse 58 says that Jesus didn't perform any miracles because of their lack of faith. Mark chapter 6 verse 6. 
he was wondering and was amazed at their lack of faith. Study the scriptures many times. Jesus, he was always trying to get to their faith. Always. Whenever he calmed the storm, he says, you of little faith. All the time, whenever things were going on, Jesus going, look, I need you guys to believe. Even Thomas, after the whole death, burial, resurrection, he says, I ain't going to believe. I, I got to see it. So what does Jesus do? Okay, I'll let you see it. You can believe. Because it was always the faith. Listen, some of you here this morning, you're going to have to start stepping out in faith. Stepping out in faith. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe in tithes. Okay. We could sit down and we could talk about the tithes and we could talk about the offerings, but the bottom line, if we really want to get to the whole thing, it really has to do with your faith. It's your faith. Do you believe it or do you not? Because if you don't believe it, we can talk about scriptures left, right, up and down, north, south, four hours, five hours, but the bottom line of the whole thing is what do you believe? What does your faith say? What does your faith say? Say, that is your weapon. Here in Matthew chapter 19, we see this rich young ruler. And here Jesus is not sharing a parable, but it's an actual happening. And it happens right before the very eyes of the disciples. And we see an idol of wealth and even a lack of compassion for the needy. Here we see this rich young ruler having his own religion, calling it the do-it-yourself religion. I can do it. On my own. I can make it happen on my own. There are so many people in today's day and age, even in Christianity, that have a do-it-yourself routine. I can do it myself. And you're probably saying, well, what do you mean do-it-yourself? Do that do-it-yourself religion basically says, hey, at least I'm not like her. At least I'm not like him. I've done this on my own. That's that do-it-yourself. Not realizing that this is God, that God is the one that performed it, that God is the one that saved you. See, this rich young ruler had this religion. He became so religious in movement that there was no joy in action. A lot of times we can come to church and we become very religious in our movement. Let's all stand. We stand up. Let's all sit down. We sit down. Say amen. Amen. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, let's give up our tithes and offerings. I don't know about that. I don't know about all that. I'll stand up when they say. I'll even try and wear a nice suit. I'll shake the hand, even though I don't feel like shaking her hand. I'll shake her hand. I'll come. Okay, but when it comes to finances, oh, that's a little bit, uh, that's a little bit too much right there. There's no joy in the action. See, this is something that we need to understand. That when it comes to tithes and offerings, many people... They get a bondage in their heart. See, even just like Zacchaeus in the book of Luke, he gave back four times the amount that was needed. Now, does the Bible say that this four times was a tithe? No, it, it doesn't say that. Yet there was still an understanding that Jesus knew. And he didn't reject that amount. He didn't say, oh, no, that's not your tithe. He just said, okay, no, that's good. I'm glad you gave. Matter of fact, it's so good, salvation has come to your house. Jesus didn't reject it. It doesn't say that the, that, that widow woman, it doesn't say that that was a tithe. It just says that she gave. She gave. Some of you here this morning, for those of you, especially we live in what's called a Google generation. That's what we live. Because if you don't know the answer, just Google it. Just Google it. And so we live in a Google generation. 
Google everything. Even just that word sounds weird. Google. Makes you want to Google. Because if you don't know the answer, I'll go. And that's our generation. We never want to be corrected. I'll find out. I'm going to find out. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm going to Google it. What does Google say? What does Wikipedia Okay, you were right, but you weren't right at that moment. You, you were only right when I found out that you were right. Because that's the generation we live in. But Jesus said, look, I'm not trying to say this is your tithe. Look, whatever you gave, you got a good heart right there. I could see the joy and the love in your heart. See, it's not the amount that goes in the basket, but it's the, but it's the amount that's in your heart. God's not looking at your hand and what goes in there. He's looking at your heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Not your hand, your heart be also. See, when it comes to the tithe, this is something that you, you and I need to understand that it's the attitude and also the response. See, I want you to know this here this morning, that the tithe is not a bargain with God. The tithe is not a bargain. Okay, God, I'll give you 10%, but, uh, you know, make sure that this part is okay. Because if you don't bless my 90 this time, I'm only going to do 5% next time. That's it. Because, you know, you have to bless me. That's what you said. That's what, you're, that's what the preacher said. I don't know if your Bible says that, but you said, the preacher said that, that you said that. You're getting, like, secondhand, you know, communication. Everybody, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure everybody hates secondhand smoke. So why do we love secondhand preaching? People love it, though. Well, the preacher said it. Read the Bible. What does the Bible say? You look at it and study it for yourself. And when it comes to the tithe, the tithe is not a bargain. It's not a bargaining agreement. Okay, I'm only going to put my son on the cross, but he's only going to die for like one day. I can't do the full three days. Just one day. Because I can only die, I can only make him die for like half of the world. Not all the world. Only half the world. Because I only love half the people. Can you imagine if God would have made a bargaining agreement with man? I'll do half. No, the tithe is not a bargaining agreement. I like what John Wesley said. He said, when I have money, I get rid of it quickly, lest it find a way into my heart. See, stewardship obviously means different things to different people. To some, it even says money. To others, it means tithing, or at least the uh, proportionate giving. To some, it's a bad word whenever you hear the word stewardship. To others, it's distasteful. For many, it's a very good and important word. Important because many of us, Stewardship is a full life process. The stewardship of life says to the Christian that stewardship is a response that I make every day in everything in my life. It's more than money. It's all of my life. And it's very important that you and I understand this. See, when we see this rich man, most rich people live for the now. And a young man, most young people live for the now. So here we look at this man who was rich and was young, but he was asking a question not about the now. He was actually asking a question about eternal life, the hereafter. So here we see in this portion of Scripture, he's asking a question. 
And he even says, all these things I've kept. He, he's done all these things. But Christ answers him. And he gives him this answer. And in his answer, I want to give you three quick points of what Jesus gave him in this answer that we must do. We must be able, number one, to serve God out of love in order to please him, rather to gain reward. I'm going to say that again. When we serve God, we must serve God out of love in order to please him, rather than to gain reward. One of the most famous portions of Scripture when it comes to heaven and hell that we read about, or we talk about, depart from me. You wicked and lazy servant, go into the fire where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right? We go, oh man, I don't want to go to hell. There's gnashing of teeth over there. That's crazy over there. It's fire and whoa. But right there, right in a, a, a verse right next to it, when it comes to going to heaven and when it comes to being a good person, the Bible says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Have you ever looked at somebody and they've been working with you and you go, man, that's a good job. Because you know what you're saying? You're saying, I'm pleased with what you've done. That's a good job. See, our role here on earth is to please God in everything that we do. Not in a little bit, in everything. Tell your neighbor everything. See, this is very important. That you and I understand that we do not boast out of our own self. But just like Paul says, if I boast, I boast in the Lord. And when I give, I, get out, I give out of love to the Lord. Not out of law, but out of love. Somebody say love. See, I may not have certain things in my driveway, but one thing I do have, I got some love. I may not have everything on my body and all these accessories blinging, but one thing I do got, I got love. I may not have a huge house to walk into that I've got so many rooms that I don't even know where they're at, but one thing I do got, I got some love. See, when you understand this principle and you understand what it is to please God, then my friend, the house that you walk into, I'm just being a good steward of it. The car that you get into, I'm just being a good steward of it. That's, that's all I am. If you came in a Mercedes, I pray that you know that God gave you that Mercedes. If you came in in a hunk of junk and it's, the door's only being held on by a wire, hey, be pleased with what God has given you. And whatever you've got, give it to God. Say, okay, God, whether this car is worth 100000 or I just bought it off this Mexican for $100. I know who we are. We're Victory Outreach. I understand. We ain't got a lot to kick it. But God, whatever I've got, I just want it to please you. I just want it to please you. Another thing that Christ did in his answer when he talked to this man is that Christ tested his commitment at its weakest point. See, these areas within our lives that we've made more important to God, the weakest link in the rich young ruler's commitment to God was his love for his possessions. Whoo. That was his weakest point. See, God 
will sometimes test us in very similar ways for our very own good to strengthen the areas of our weakness that prevent us from achieving spiritual maturity. You need to know this. In the book of James, the Bible says, God does not tempt, but he will test you. He will test you. Some of you right now, you're going through a test in your finances, and you're wondering, why is God, why am I going through this? You might be going through a test. See, in school, when you take a test, you first must take the lesson. Okay, come to school today, class. We are going to learn about history. And we're going to learn about history. And in World War I, there was this and that. You're going to learn all the dates. And you learn all the dates. Oh, okay. And then they had the, the, the finder. It would come. And they would they'd take pictures and the bomb. It would drop here. And you learn every, And you come to school every day and you learn the lesson. And then at the end of the lesson, the teacher says, okay, take out a piece of paper. You are now going to take a test. In the kingdom and in the school of God, it's the other way around. Okay, today, let's take a test. Wait, uh, where's the lesson, God? No, no, no. Today, I'm going to take you through a test. The lesson comes after the test. It's the ways of God. It's flipped around. You want to be first? Be last. You want to be the greatest? Be the least. You want to go on top? Be the bottom. What? This doesn't make any sense. I thought when I get saved, I'm supposed to get a Mercedes Benz. They're supposed to give me keys to a BMW. And the pastor is going to lay hands on me. And then he's going to give me a keys to a brand new house. And then all of a sudden, I'll, oh, I'd really like a brand new family. But even if he doesn't, you know, it'll be great. And then all of a sudden, everything's supposed to change. It's supposed to be great. I says, nope. Take you through a test, and then you're going to learn the lesson. And that's what happened with the rich young ruler. He took him right to his weakest point. Some of you here this morning, you're getting tested in your weakest point. You're getting tested in that. I mean, be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you, when you used to get money, you just right away, oh, man. And you, not only would you spend it, but you would spend it on yourself. Right? You'd spend it on yourself. Because before we knew Christ, it was all about me at the center of it all. Me and only me at the center of it all. From beginning and then right after that, and then, oh, they're definitely right after that because it's definitely right in the middle. And then all the way to the end, it's always been, it's always been about me. Because that's the way that we were. It was all about me, serving me. What can I do? What about me? People are talking. Who are they talking about? Me. That girl's looking. Who's she looking at? Me. That guy, who does he want to fight? He wants to fight me. Can you fight for me, though? Can you go fight for me? That'd be great. He's going to fight you for me. I mean, I heard it said before that some people are so selfish that they, they want to be the center of attention even at a funeral. I said, wow, that's a heavy statement right there. But that's how selfish some people are. They go to a funeral. Oh, yeah, well, I, I know that was bad. But did you hear about me? Man. See, that's why Christ tested this ruler at his weakest point, at his possessions that were all about me. And Christ said, okay, you think it's all about you? What I want you to do is I want you to give all of you away and give it to the poor. And the Bible says that he went away sad. 
oh, man, Jesus don't want me to do that. Jesus don't want me to give all I want. I have a little poor. He wants to bless me. He does want to bless you. He wants to bless you by you giving. That's how he wants to bless you. Now, I know that's a hard test. They're like, oh, wow. Now, believe, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying every single one of you should sell all you have and give to the poor. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that right now, many of you are being tested in this area. You've been tested. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time that you actually went out of your way and gave to the poor? Now, I know the Bible says the poor you will have with you always. That's what Jesus said. You're going to have it with you always, but you still got to do something about it. You may not be able to solve the problem, but I've given you the answer in your heart. Extend it with your hand. I want to challenge some of you. I challenge the leaders, right? Those of you leaders, you remember? I've challenged you already. I challenge you. I want you to go to the store today, and I want you to pay for the person behind you. I told them, I said, try it. Do it. Pay for the person behind you. Just because, no reason. And even when you walk out, and I try this as much as I can. I will do this. I'm not going to say it if I don't do it. Try it as much as I can. Whenever I walk out of a restaurant, walk out of a place, I always try to look for someone who's in need. Because it happens a lot of times, especially in restaurants. People are like, hey, you got a dollar? And I'll do this every time. I, I don't ever give them money. I don't give them money. But what I will go, and I'll ask them, what do, you, what do you want? Oh, can I get this? I'll go back in the store and I'll get it for you. Come with me. I've done that plenty of times. And I still want to do it. I said, what do you, you want a soda? Let's go get a soda. I'll give you a soda as long as I can pray for you. I do that all the time. As long as I pray for you, let me pray for you. Because I want to make sure that they're being blessed. It's more blessed to give than to receive. See, this is the lesson that also Christ wanted to give him. The lesson of giving to those in need. Developing a good eye for those in need. As AJ comes to the piano here this morning. For those of you that say, well, Finances, money, it's all about gaining wealth. It's all about acquiring money. Let me give you this little story and then I'm going to close. Now, if you've ever felt that it's all about getting a little bit more money, a little bit more power, just a little bit more, and then I could do more for God. If I just had a little bit more money, I could do more for God. I know that's how many Christians think. They think, man, if I just had more money, I could do more things. Actually, the Bible says my God is more than enough. So I don't know where that philosophy is coming to the church where as long as you have money, you can do stuff. No. Let me give you this story. Two men lived in Rome. And they were at different ends of the economic spectrum. Before gladiator contests in the Colosseum, everyone would stand waiting silently for Caesar. The contest could not begin until Caesar arrived. When Caesar would arrive, he was greeted with thunderous shouts of, Hail Caesar! Hail Caesar! He had more power, prestige, and wealth than anyone else living at that time. He was worshipped as though he was a god. Elsewhere in Rome, there was another man who was in a vastly different circumstance. He was actually in prison. He was actually chained to guards. He was actually beaten by the guards. He invested time in praying and writing to his friends 
he was a man who stuck it out. This name, the, man, the man's name was Paul. One man lived in an extravagant palace. The other man lived in a dingy prison. One man had unlimited wealth. The other had limited health. One was the center of attention. The other virtually ignored. But almost 2,000 years later, people around the world recognize which of these two men made the eternally important contribution. Listen to this. They named their children after the prisoner, and they named their salads after the emperor. A lot of times we think, I can get all the money. That's fine. Caesar salad's pretty good. Have all the money you want. A lot of people don't recognize money. They recognize people with heart. People that have been through a few things. People that understand what it is to go through. Man, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of stuff. But what I do have, God, I give it to you. I give you everything. God, I just want to be a man after your own heart. I just want to be a man that serves you, a man that pleases you. I don't want to be a man that people look at and all the attention goes on me when I want. I don't want to be the attention getter. God, I want to give you all the attention. God, I want to give you all of the glory. God, I want to give you everything. I don't want to hold back one thing. God, even though I'm chained in the middle of this prison and people are talking about me. God, people don't like me. God, people want to kick me out of the city. God, I want to give you everything was the life of Paul. Some of the greatest men have been named Paul. Great men. When you look at certain names, you don't look at names when you want to name your child and go, man, who are we going to name? I want to name my child after greatness. After a person with heart. After something that I feel is great. Well, the only way greatness really happens is through the testings. And the testings of some of you here this morning, you've been going through the testings of your faith. We talk about great minds. Great minds that go to college. This kind of stuff, you can't learn in the education of books. I've been to school. And there are many people in here that have been to school. And you've got a lot of head knowledge. And that's good and that's great. You need that. But don't let head knowledge overtake heart-to-hand knowledge. Don't let it overtake that. Because then you start knowing everything there's no joy in action. There's no movement. Let there be a joy. Let there be a joy. This is how I'm going to end. We're actually leaving, or not leaving. Um, I'm going to be coming back from Africa. But when I come back, I come back on a, on a Monday, the 19th, November 21st, we're going to be having a banquet right here. Not for you. Some of you, maybe if this is your first time, then it's for you. But for the majority of you, I would say, this is not a banquet so you can come and dress up nice and all right, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. And that's good and that's great. We are going to have dinner. But you know who we're going to have the dinner for? We're going to have it 
don't have a home. I want to have an even better dinner than we had at the 30th. And 30th was beautiful, was it not? Beautiful. But that night, we're going to come. We're going to come in our, come dressed in nice, looking good. And I'm, I'm not only coming with food because, you know, I, I'm not a good cook. I'll be honest. You don't want me to cook for you. You might go see, you might go see heaven really quick if I cook for you. But I know what I've got. And I know what I'm ready to give. I'm a gift. I'm, I've already got, I'm, I got a bag ready to go. Of clothes. I got it ready to go. And if you know me and you can ask my wife, I do it all, all, a lot. I do as much as I can. You know, I'm kind of the average size. I give it to the home as much as I can. There's not a lot of guys my size, but whatever fits, fits. Because I want to do it. I want to be ready for this night. I want this night to be the greatest night for many of the men and many of the women. And not just the only night. I want it to be the first night of the rest of their life, of eternal life. I want to challenge you. For those of you, I'm not going to make an altar call. Actually, just a little bit. Toby's going to come. But I want to challenge you. This is a message that Jesus challenged a rich young ruler. I don't have time to go into it, but those of us in America, you need to know this. If you are living in America, you are a part of the 1.3% of the richest people world in the world now I know see right now some of you guys are, you start going head knowledge right political well, what is the candidates what is the well they say this and the academy of the, so you start doing all that stuff you can look it up on your own I'm not making it I did my study 1.3% America were rich if you came here in a car you were a part of the 0.7 richest people in the world if you came in a car if you came in a car and you have another car at home, or you came in two cars, you're a part of the point three riches. See, so you don't think you're rich. That's that's the thing. You don't think you're rich. I'm not rich. Because you measure yourself according to the Joneses. You measure yourself according to what you see on TV. Man, if only I had that. If only, if only, if only. And Jesus, what does he do? He gets the disciple. He says, look, quit if only. Quit doing that. See, this woman, she gave. And she gave more than everybody here. I don't know about you, but that's a rebuke and a half. He rebuked them all. See that woman? She gave more than all of them. That doesn't make any sense. Oh, it does if you understand the heart. It does if you understand what giving really is. It does. It makes sense to those that give. It makes perfect sense. But for those that have bondage over the heart, no, this is my money. I earned it. I earned it. I did this. I made this happen. I got this to where I did. I, I, uh. I want to challenge you. Say, God, free this bondage. I may not have a lot. God, I only make $100 a day. I only make $200 a day. I don't know. Whatever, but God, whatever I make, whether it's $1,000 or God, I just make a few dollars. God, I want to make sure that I can give freely. I want to be a giver. I don't want to be a taker. I want to be a giver. I want to be known by somebody that gives, not by somebody who takes. Bow your heads with me. I want to pray with you. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would touch the men and the women that are here in this church. Lord, this is a personal pastor, pastoral prayer. I truly cannot wait to see brand new cars brand new houses, brand new furnishings, brand new 
product within the church that your people have, that they're blessed. But God, I don't want them just to be blessed with themselves. I want them to be blessed so that they can bless others. That we would not be a selfish, self-centered church. That when you bless them with the house, that you know that it was you and only you. They know that. That it was you and only you, God, that blessed them. On purpose, for a purpose. Bless them. Lord, I pray that you would raise up millionaires out of this church. Yes, millionaires. But millionaires that know what to do with the money. That know that money will never have a hold of their heart. Raise up businessmen and businesswomen that are going to start a business from the ground up because of the idea that you put in their mind, that you put upon their heart. That that product is going to go all over the world and help people. You're going to use it to further the gospel. I thank you for big businesses that are even now restaurants that have Christ-centered values. I thank you for them. Businesses of men and women that they understand that the money that they obtain, Lord, it's, it's yours only already. That they're tithers. Raise up tithers and givers out of this church. Lord, I pray for promotion out of this church. In Jesus' name. With every bow and every eye closed, this is what I want to pray for. For those of you here this, mor this morning, you need a promotion at your job or you need a job. Promotion or you need a job. If you don't need one, it's okay. Just say right now, I'm, I'm content. I'm, I'm glad where I'm at. God has me. So don't, don't do this. Don't stand. But if you need a promotion or you need a job, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Just stand right there where you're at. Don't come to the altar. Just stand right there. Just stand right there. I'm going to pray for a promotion, and I'm going to pray that you get a job, that God gives you the right job. Come on, just stand right there. It's not for everybody. It's just for a few. But if you need a job or you need a promotion, stand right there where you're at. <coughs> Bow your heads with me, those of you that are standing. And if you can, lift your hands if you're able to. Lift your hands. Repeat this with me. Say, Jesus, you know my situation and you know my heart. You know that I want my life to please you in everything that I do. So Jesus, I pray that you would allow me the promotion and the job that is needed for your kingdom. And I want to be the best steward of this job in my life. I thank you and I praise you in advance for what is coming my way. In Jesus' name. Stay standing. I want to pray. Father, right now, I pray that you would be with them, touch them, use them to further your kingdom. Lord, they're not standing out of a, a, a whim or, or just something that feels good. But, Lord, they know in their heart of hearts that they want to do good, good unto others, good unto their families, good at their jobs. Be with those that need a job. Let them find the right job. 
Lord, and there's some that they're going through hell at their current job. Lord, I pray that you would be with them, strengthen them, give them peace and joy at their job. Give those that need a promotion, Lord, that you would give them the correct and needed leadership for that promotion. Use them to further your kingdom, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You can be seated at this time. I'm going to have a